Welcome to the Nerdthusiast Music Podcast, where today we have a very special guest who is a professional musician. So we do an interview with him and also discussing his time with another very famous musician. But before I do that, let me just introduce everyone. Frank, how's it going? What's up, Matt? How are you? I'm doing great, man. Frank, where can people follow you? Uh, on Twitter at FLD15. Uh, that's pretty much the, the best place. Awesome. Joining us also is Wes for the first time on the music podcast. Wes, how are you? Right. I'm good, man. I'm good. That's right. Why are you here today? What are we going to talk about that's important <laughs> to you today? I will, outside of, of, of comic books and video games, we're going to talk about my, my favorite subject, print. Hell yeah. Wes, where can people find you at? You can follow me on Instagram at Grendel5XBX. And you can also catch me at Level Up Entertainment if you're in the Atlantic City area. We got all your comic book and retro video game needs. There you go. I'm Matt. You guys can follow me at FromNJ2CA. The two is a number two. Now on to the man himself who's here with us today. Thank you for taking the time out to do this for us. Uh, thanks for having me, guys. This is Lil Maceo, and he plays the saxophone professionally. Uh, for a number of bands, including for himself. Um, so before we jump into anything, we got to start out with a question that Prince would love. Maceo. May I call you Maceo? Is that the preferred way to call Oh, that's it. Yeah, yeah. Maceo is fine. What do you do for fun? <laughs> Video games, comic books, anime. <laughs> that's what I do. We have a nerd, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, He's man. one of us. <laughs> you made sure to do the right thing up front. You made sure to <laughs> did your homework ahead of time. Make sure he's there. All good. So, you know, when, when we started this, we, we were going to have a, a podcast all about Prince, and we, we are going to do that still. But this episode is kind of like a hybrid. We wanted to do that, but we also wanted to interview, interview you since you're obviously a professional musician. So we wanted to learn about you, um, your time with Prince, of course. But you said something very interesting right before we started the show. So I, I, we made a run of show. We had like a list of questions and stuff we were going to ask. We had a whole flow. And then you just threw a wrench into it right before we started. Oh, so thank sorry. you for doing that. <laughs> it's, a, it, it's a good wrench to throw because we didn't know you were a nerd. And we didn't know you owned a digital FX company. Yeah, visual effects company. Yeah, yeah. So um, if you don't mind talking about it, what's the name of the company, what do you guys do? If you could just give us yeah, some of that. The name of my company is Digital Alchemy FX, the letter F and the letter X. And, um, you know, we started out as a small boutique uh, company. It was me, my partner, Tom Phillips, and my other partner, Eric Sibley. And we, we started out as a three-man team in, in, you know, New York City in the heart of Times Square. And uh, nice. this thing from, like, nothing. And, you know, we were working on, like, car commercials and music videos. And, you know, I got my first... Big thing, I believe, was um, uh, uh, BMW. We did, we got that was the first, like, oh, okay, man, I think we made it. We got a BMW commercial. <laughs> then we ended up doing um, this thing for Cartoon Network called the Two Minute Talk Show with Richard Belzer. So, oh, wow. what they did was they had it was literally a two minute talk show, and he had celebrities on. We had to build the virtual set and everything for him. And the idea was to have it in the um, taxis and the subways and they would play while you were doing these things and literally it was two minutes 
Oh, wow. <laughs> and um, I think we got like a full, like a season out of that. And then um, I got True Blood. We got the Call of Duty True Blood season one, which was, you know. I'm, I'm sure things really took fanatic. off from there. So, vampire fanatic. So I was, you know, I was, I was honored to do that. So, yeah, man. That's awesome. What year did you guys start out in? Um, 2006 or five, six, 2006. Yeah. Nice. So what's that close to? Getting closer to 20 years now, huh? You only got a few years. (laughs) (laughs) Since then, like I said, since we started out and we had, you know, we got the true blood and stuff. Um, we've worked, we've all collectively, like we've all worked on everything from um, the Avengers, uh, Captain America, um, the most recently Godzilla versus Kong, uh, WandaVision, um, the Man of Steel. Um, we did like a bunch of stuff for Reading Rainbow. We did, um, like I said, a bunch of commercials, Mountain Dew, NFL, um, the History Channel. Like it just, like I said, it just keeps us busy. And, and as a musician, you know, as all musicians out there, you guys know this, we have like slow season. For, uh, for me personally, it's usually between January and March. So when there's nothing going on, I get to do visual effects and that keeps me afloat and be, lets me feed my family and stuff like that. That's awesome. Cool. Is that slow season mostly because of the winter or is there a different reason for that? I, I wish I knew because it's hit or miss. Like sometimes, you know, like next year, like in 2023, I have a bunch of stuff booked. You know, I'm going to be in Europe and I'm going to be, you know, I have a bunch of stuff booked. So, you know, it literally just, it's just random. You know, um, I feel like sometimes things just slow down and people, you know, the holidays have a big part of it. So you expect that in January, at least the first two or three weeks of January. But I don't know why February and March are slow. I have no idea. Hey, man, well, it's always good to get a break, you know? Yeah, that's just, yeah, yeah. So my family says, you need a break. Slow down. <laughs> <laughs> you know. So what? Uh, as far as the digital effects company goes, what is the favorite pro- your favorite project that you worked on with them? Uh, my favorite, um, or one uh, that stands out to you? If you don't want to feel comfortable picking a favorite, there's been, there's been, it's just so many. Um, again, I'm a I'm a nerd at heart. You know, so uh, we worked on season one of The Flash, CW's Flash. Nice. I got to, do the, I got okay. to do the model for Barry Allen, you know, when he was just learning how to run. And so I got to do that. That's one of my pride. Oh, uh, the the spider, the, the Spider-Man suit with the, the legs. I was on the oh. team of people who developed that. Oh, wow. dope. The, the Iron Spider suit? <laughs> yeah, the Iron Spider suit. So that was dope. Cool. They actually, which, awesome. which, which sucks is... I'll, I'll, I'll send you the original sketch and stuff that we have of it. They changed the colors of it, you know, to now it's like gold and stuff. But I, I'll show you the original design that we had, so you'll get the back story. I don't know why they – I think our original design looked cooler, but, you know, the powers that be, it is what it is. Well, <laughs> <laughs> Maceo says that to me. I'll include that in the video so you guys can see it as long as he's okay with it. And then you guys can tell me what you think is better. <laughs> Because it's over sure. our Facebook. If you go to the Digital Alchemy Facebook page, you can see all those things up there. So it's up there. Cool, cool. Uh, yeah. Matt, Matt, for the record, my favorite 
favorite superhero is the Flash, by the way, just, you know, for the record. He's, he's a close second for me, too. <laughs> he, he's my number one, always has been. Not that I'm as much of a, a, a comic book nerd as uh, some of the guys in our crew. I do more of the poker and the, and the uh, music stuff, but Flash has always been my favorite. In fact, the other night, and I had never watched the series, the other night my wife and I started watching it from the beginning, and she was asking me because – she thought I knew more about it. She was like, you know, how did he get his superpower? And I'm like, uh, I really don't know because they started at the beginning. And I didn't even know the backstory. I just knew that, like, you know, I liked I was like, man, that's better than anything. You could run and be the fastest person in anything. That That's awesome. So that was always my favorite. <laughs> right, listen, I always said if I could have any superpower, it would, I would be the Flash. Yeah. There you said, go. My favorite, my favorite guy is Iron Man. I'm a, I'm a huge Okay. Fan. All right. The Flash is what I say close. I mean, it's real close. Right second. there. Right there. All right. Real close second. Wes is Batman. There you go. <laughs> you know it. Should have known. You look like a Batman guy. <laughs> <laughs> He's all stoic back there. I mean, he looks like a Batman <laughs> guy. Right? I figured. What about you, Matt? I'd probably do it with Spider-Man. I'm not. I'm not too big into comic books. Like I, I used to be in more than one when I was younger. But like, I, I liked X-Men a lot and Spider-Man. Like those were like my two things. Like, okay. I'll watch anything from X-Men and Spider-Man for sure. Okay. 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 Plus, the Spider-Man video games are really good. So they are. Kinda, that kind of makes me lean towards Spider-Man. Did you, you beat Miles Morales yet? I did not beat Miles Morales. No. The game was amazing. I know. I do, man, but I got a I got a problem with one of my fingers. It's messed up and I have to have like the PS4, they made this back button attachment, so when you swing yeah. a Spider Man, I need yeah. to have that back button attachment and I can't have that on a PS5 controller. So when the PS5 came out, Miles Morales was out and I was like, Well, I'm gonna have to play this on PS4, but I had the PS5, so it was like, you know, I'll play that later and I just never got back to it, you know. Aftermarket controller, that's all. Yeah, something like that, man. I don't know. The market ones. They have a bunch of them now. You know, they didn't I, have I'd have to get like a high end one though. I can't be buying, you know. I ain't get no mad cash. <laughs> <laughs> I remember mad cash. I had the steering wheel. Remember the mad oh. cash steering wheel? Oh man, I don't want to remember the mad cat steering wheel. No, <laughs> it was the absolute worst. Oh, oh. my gosh. So if you didn't know, Wes and I used to work for like, EB Games at GameStop. Mm-hmm. So like, we yeah. we sold those I controllers. Love that you we know EB. Like oh, nobody yeah. remembers Electronic Boutique. I'm like, yo, this used to be a this used to be Electronic Boutique, bro. And now it's like GameStop. I'm like, <laughs> I'm glad yeah, you said yeah. that. Like yeah. that's the whole. I'm like, EB Games. I'm like, I'm this old. This used to be called Electronic Boutique. That's right. That's right. <laughs> Yeah, when we were both hired there, it was Electronics Boutique because that's we both came from EB, and then we we you know GameStop and then merged, so we eventually became GameStop. But right. we're always going to be EB. I remember when all that went down, bro. I remember when all that went down. Yeah, it'll it'll always be EB. Always be always EB. EB. I still got my EB car. I wish I had my wallet. It's up there. <laughs> remember the little action car used to the black. I, I still got my EB car. Bro. Yeah, man. <laughs> that's what's up. Oh my goodness. Heck yeah. <laughs> so all right you're you're just taking me down a, we have this whole plan i'm throwing it right in the trash so what kind of games do you do i just got, i just gotta ask before i move on any further what, what kind of games do you like we're not talking about your music Maceo. it's not you know, okay. we found out you got a, a no, you, you got other stuff that's more important now exactly right now man I, i'm 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 in like i was just telling um 
Wes, I'm in the Destiny right now, like Destiny 2. Big Destiny 2 fan. I'm also doing the New Horizon. Um, the Horizon, I guess Horizon. Forbidden West. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, that one is, that's what I'm kind of into right now. But, I, you know, I'm a huge fighter guy. Tekken, Street West. Fighter. That's right. That's, that's, you know, <laughs> all day long. I got trophies for those, bro. I, I got the points. <laughs> You know what I mean? I'm, you know, um, well, like wrestling, uh, you know, I, uh, another tidbit, I used to be a professional wrestler. I don't know if what? you either. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. What was your wrestling name? I had several, but... Um, what was your notably, favorite wrestling name? <laughs> most notably, I was the Assassin, which is, That's you know... A good one. When you think about... When, when I tell you the backstory, it makes sense for all the wrestling nerds out there. But, you know... When I first started wrestling, when I came out of wrestling school, um, I was always a small guy, you know what I mean? And um, I had to give him, you know, they, they, the promoter, the very first promoter I worked for, he was like, uh, all right, you're going to be Blizzard. And I'm like, like the... <laughs> okay. So they put me out and, like, they, they, they designed these icy blue booty shorts. Like, the <laughs> I was like, and they're like, like it wasn't even like a cool blue. When I tell you like icy blue, it was like that icy blue. And and I had like these kit pads with icicles hanging off of them. And and if I could find a picture, because it was this was we're going back like ninety. When did I graduate from that uh, wrestling school? So I graduated in wrestling school from ninety seven. So it's like nineteen ninety eight. You know what I mean? Wow. So there's nothing digital yet. But um, if I could find a picture of the, how, it's, as embarrassing as it is. <laughs> I'll, I'll send that to you. So what, you fed, what, fed, what federation did you wrestle for? Uh, what federation did you wrestle for? Oh, what company? Uh, in New York, I was the LIWF okay. uh, in um, uh, East Coast Wrestling. And then in Jersey, it was AWA, All-Pro, and um, uh, ECPW. Okay. Nice. I did some light work for the... Win and uh, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, I did like contract work for Vince and those guys. So mm-hmm. you know, whenever they they would come into town, they would hire local guys. So if you go back to like, I think it was SummerSlam. What year was that? It might have been two thousand or two thousand one. Mm-hmm. It was the one where they have the big yellow taxi and Madison Square hanging over the thing. You'll see me in there. I was one of the random nobodies. <laughs> you know, they had like, <laughs> so I was in that show. And, um, That's and awesome, though. Dark matches and stuff with those guys. I got to wrestle Ray Mysterio, uh, Mick Foley, um, Paul, Paul, Triple H. You know, so I got to wrestle a b- bunch of those guys. So it was cool. You know, That's that awesome. Was- Man, we could do a whole other podcast just about wrestling and like video games and toys and. I was the only child for a long time before my sister was born. By the time my sister was born, I was a teenager. You know what I mean? So at that point, I'm like, ah, who, who wants to be running around with a baby? And then, you know, like pretty soon I had moved out. So, you know, I, you know, so as an only child all those years. You know, all I had was me and my imagination. I like the kids today. They have, like, everything kind of just thrown at them, you know. Kids so they just need a tablet. They can they can get through life with just a tablet. They don't need half the stuff that we used to have. <laughs> exactly. I was laughing. I was laughing with my, my son. I'm like, 
you know, I was showing him pictures of like encyclopedias. Like I used to have like, <laughs> he was like, what's that? And I'm like, before it was a Wikipedia or a Google, this is how you found out everything. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, you guys watched um, Stranger Things? Oh, yeah. So yeah. We, were, we were going through Stranger Things and they were at the, um, you're at the library going through the, the newspaper thing. Right now, I'm gonna bring this. Microfiche. Yeah, yeah. Again, before there was the internet, this is how you had to find out what happened in history. That's awesome, man. <laughs> so yeah, that's just funny. So funny, but I say that to say because so I was into a lot of different things, you know, like skateboarding and I did all this extreme stuff because you know motorcycles and because I was bored I'm like I, I gotta keep myself busy I had all this energy and I had to you know I, I was a I'm a second degree black belt in Kempo mm -hmm. and, and 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 you know so I've done like all this stuff to try to so wrestling was just natural I played I ran track played football baseball you know I, I was just kind of trying to figure out what worked for me my mom was like, oh, you should play an instrument. I'm like, I don't want to play an instrument. You know, I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm an athlete. And I was an artist, so I used to be able to airbrush and draw very well. Wow. And, um, you know, I'm kind of migrating into what happened to me musically. I'm sorry. No, <laughs> so no, 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 keep going. But um, so in, if you guys are familiar, if I'm from New York. I'm from Queens. And, um, you know, so while I was in high school, I took art classes. You know, they was like, hey, do you want to take music or you want to take art? I'm like, I'm taking art. I want to take music. So I got to senior year. It was two weeks before graduation. I'll never forget this. I had passed the SATs. I passed all my regional exams. I passed all everything that you could pass. And my guidance counselor brings me into her office and she sits me down and she goes, you know, I, I got good news and bad news for you. And I go, okay. She was like, the good news is you passed everything. You, you know, I, I scored very well on my SATs. Uh, the college that I wanted to get into accepted me. It was all good. So I was like, well, what's the bad news? She was like, I can't let you graduate because you didn't meet New York State requirements. I'm like, what? New York State requirements require that you take at least one semester of music. And I took art every year. What? And I'm like, yo, you dropped the ball. Wow. <laughs> I never heard that 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 yeah, was crazy. requirement anywhere. Wow! True, bro. I got left back because I had to do six months of school because I didn't take music, bro. So I got left back for music. You're so like, I'll teach them. I'm now going to become a musician. Watch. <laughs> so, so, so what happened was they were supposed to give me like music history and stuff. You know what I mean? They gave me band, and I'm like, what am I doing in band? <laughs> So I was so, you know, I used to hate that class. Like the first month, I literally cut. I was just like, I'm not going. It was my only class. And I'm like, I'm just not going. So they was like, was like I'm going to be at the arcade. I'll see right. you guys later. Right. So, <laughs> so I, I eventually go. I show up to the class like a month in. Like, and the band teacher's like, well, all the instruments are gone. But, uh, you know, what do you want to play? And I didn't know anything about music. I had no idea. I was like, all right, well. I'm going to play uh, uh, piano. And he was like, dude, this is marching band. There's no piano. <laughs> <laughs> hey, they knew you were a wrestler. You could carry a piano around. That's all. You know, they figured that out. <laughs> so I was like, well, you know, I was like, well, let me play the drums. He was like, well, 
Had you been here day one, you might have got the drums, but the drums are all gone. So the only other instrument I knew, and this is from watching like Bugs Bunny and them, was the tuba. So I was like, dude, give me the tuba. And he was like, the tuba? <laughs> you don't look like a tuba player. Hold on. <laughs> he went in the back. He came back and handed me a tenor saxophone. He was like, hey, man, here's a saxophone. So, you know, do that. You know, let, let's see how you do with this. So he was like, all right, it's time for everybody to kind of make noise. He showed me how to put it together. I put it together. And I just kind of start noodling on it. And he looks over. He's like, have you ever played before? And I said, no. He was like, you, you got good tone and stuff. I'm like, really? <laughs> so, you know, I, I do my time. I graduate. Now, this is now um, five months. I've been playing saxophone. I made all city band. So now I'm doing like the Macy's Day Parade and all this stuff at the bottom. Oh, wow. Five months. Wow. And, you know, I had my first big uh, gig. I played with Mariah Carey uh, at Radio City with Giuliani kind of conducting us. It was it was amazing. That's and, crazy. Uh, that happened. Good night, bud. <laughs> so at what point, and, and you came in obviously like not wanting to do this, at what point did you start to really be like, oh, this is kind of cool and enjoy it? I mean, at some point you had to flick the switch, right? Right after I graduated, I, I played for like six months and I'm like, I think I can do this. Yeah, people started like acknowledging that I was actually really good at this. And then when I got my first gig, I was like, oh, okay. So wait, I can do this and get paid for it? <laughs> so it made me, you know, but I, I was like, so I didn't want to do it. So what ended up happening, I come from a, a family of teachers. My mom's a teacher and her mom was, you know, so we're all teachers. So I became a teacher. I was like, oh, I, I was a, I was a high school English teacher, um, and I was a dean, one of the youngest deans in New York history. We can look that up as a fact. <laughs> and um, so, you know, I'm, at this point, um, this is why you don't have any free time, man. What what do you what happened? <laughs> <you done? laughs> I know. So, I, I, I you know, as a musician, being a teacher is a great gig because. My day is from 8 to 2. I get the summers off with pay. I get the weekends off. I, I It was the life. I was living the dream. I'm like, you know, like I made the mistake of working summer school one year because they're like, oh, you know, they entice you because you get two checks. Because, you, you you know, as a teacher, you, you're paid anyway. Summer school, you get a, a second check. So now I'm making double money. I'm like, oh, this is awesome. No, it sucked. I never worked summer school again. I, I did it one day. I'm never doing this again. It was the worst. So you know. So now, what I did was, as a musician, I would work and tour and stuff all summer while I had a check still, which was, you know, it was it was the perfect job. Then one year, um, Sony came knocking. I went to go see my friend at a club called the Bag It In in, in in the Village in New York City. He invited me down, and he was like, "Bro, come, come sit in with us." So I got up and I sat in with them and he was having a bad night. The band was, I don't know what was going on. They were like not killing like I know they normally are. But I got up there and the crowd started losing their mind. And as I got off the stage, this girl walks over to me and she says, uh, hey, you know, um, I'm an A&R from Sony. You know, here's my card. I, I don't know who you are or where you've been, but why don't you come on down Monday and, and, and let's talk. So I said, okay. Put her card in. 
What about my business? I meet all kinds of yahoos. Everybody wanted to be in the A&R, somebody claiming to be whatever. I literally didn't take it serious. So Monday came and gone, Tuesday came and gone, Wednesday, like I never reached out. So like a week, week like almost two weeks later, um, I get a phone call. So what they did was they called my friend who I went to, they went to go see them, to scout them and ended up scouting me. But they, I never called, so she called him to get my phone number. <laughs> so, and she calls me up, and I'm like, hello? And she's like, hey. Um, this is, her name is Riley Jones. She was like, this is Riley. We met like two weeks ago at the, at the club. I gave you my card. I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. She's like, you, you never called. And I'm like, wait, are you seriously from Sony? She was like, yes, dumbass. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, oh, my God. So the next day I go down to Sony and, you know, I sit down and we talk and, um, you know, Dan Levin and, and a bunch of guys are there and they're, you know, listening to my, I actually, it was actually a, um, remember the mini discs? I had like the little mm-hmm. Sony mini disc, but so I, I had my demo on a mini disc. <laughs> Everybody's like giving out cassettes. I'm like, I'm fancy. Here's my mini disc, man. <laughs> and it's Sony. So I figured it was a good look because it's a Sony product, you know? Absolutely. And, they they liked it and they offered me a developmental deal. So I signed a three three year developmental deal with Sony. And the first year of that was awesome. I got to play with everybody. <laughs> I toured. It was it was awesome. Second and third year, not so much. You know, it was the worst experience of my life, you know. Ooh. And um what they you know, they had their own ideas and stuff of what they wanted to do. And when you're young, and I was young, I was probably 25, 26 at the time. And, um, you know, I, you, you think you know everything, especially as dudes. We think we know everything at 25. We figured it out, man. We literally have no clue. And, you know, if I if I knew then what I know now, I would have stayed and I would have just bit my tongue and, you know, worked the system out. But, you know, no, you can't tell me anything. I'm a Taurus. I'm stubborn. I'm like, ah. I know what I'm doing. And they wanted to put me in this super band. And um, it was terrible. Like, they brought all of these musicians from all over the world. Like, the keyboard player was from, like, Switzerland. The drummer was from Japan. Bass player was from Germany. It was me. And I got to tell you, I was by far the weakest link. These guys were incredible. But, you know, so it was like, it was, I felt like I was on making the band before making the band. (laughs) They stuck us aloft and was like, hey, make music. Like, nobody spoke the English. It was, it was, I'm like, how are we, you know, but we all played music. So it was tough, man. Nobody had translators. It, it was, it was rough. We're all like living together in this loft. Oh my gosh. So, you know, me and the drummer, who are still friends to this day, um, the drummer is uh, Tomo. So, uh, uh, I speak a little bit of Japanese from watching anime and I, you know, that got me into wanting to learn. So I started taking Japanese class and through karate, I learned, you know, Japanese. So I spoke enough to be able to communicate with him. So me and him clicked, you know what I mean? And um, like I said, he's, he's my, my homie to this day. And um, we were like, okay, we got to figure this out. The keyboard player was so hell bent on playing this Euro pop stuff that that's now today called EDM, but back in 2005, 
nobody over here cared. It was like noise. We're like, I don't want to hear this. And you, know, you you hear it one time, you know, the first song. Boom, 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 boom. Like, okay, but then after about a half an hour of this, you're like, I don't want to do this anymore. You know what I mean? I don't want to hear this anymore. So, you know, it was a disaster. So I went in. I remember I went to Sony. After about a month, I went to Sony. I'm like, listen, I, I, I want out. I, I, this is not going anywhere. Uh, the name of the band was Melodic Sin. And they thought it was going to be the next big thing, like the next After 7 or the Mint Condition or, you know, it was going to be the next big super band, you know, Incognito. Or, you know, like, and I was like, yeah, this is not going to work, man. So what they did was they, 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 they released me from the band, my obligations from the band. And it was like, we're gonna, well, we, we have a big show. We've been spending all this money promoting it in your faces in the promotion. You have to show up to the show. So they agreed to let me play the intermission. So they were going to do two sets, and I was going to play in the middle. I said, fine. Just like I said what happened, the first show, they got, you know, we got billboards at Times Square. Like, they went all in with this promotion on this place. We did the big show, and, you know, the first song, you know, and everybody's like, yeah. Second song came on, more of the same. And by the third song, the, the crowd checked out. They're like talking to each other, you know. <laughs> and this is bad. So they finished their set, and now it's time for me to go on. And I'm like, man, I, I got to go on in front of these hostile cats. It's New York, you know. New Yorkers are hostile, <laughs> man. <laughs> they're like, so I get up there, and they're like, who is this cat? So I go in and I start doing my thing. And I remember, like, to this day, like, if you guys, I don't know if you've ever seen my show, but if you Google and YouTube, you'll see I'm a big in-your-face kind of guy. I walk around, I'll jump on your table, I'll lap dance you. I don't care about any you know what I mean? And um, so I'm doing my thing, and but I only had 15 minutes, you know what I mean? So I, I, I took, squeezed everything I had out of those 15 minutes, standing ovation, people lost their mind. I left. People were like, where are you going? I'm like, I'm done for tonight. That's it. And the band came back on. 75% of the crowd left with me. Like when oh, I left. Wow. wow. I, so I got uh, a very. I mean, Sony should have paid attention to that. And like, this is this is clearly not uh, going the way that they wanted it to go. I got. So the next day, I got a very angry phone call requesting my presence down at Sony Plaza. So I get up, I go down to Sony, and they actually blame me for sabotaging the show. And I'm like, <laughs> what? <laughs> like, how dare I play as good as I was? I'm like, I guess. And they shelf me. They shelf me for the remainder of my contract. I couldn't do shows. I couldn't do anything. Wow. And they, they had me shelf. And then at the end of my contract, they looked at me with a smile on their face and was like, hey, you know, I, I know we just shelved you for a year and a half, but you know, we're gonna offer you five hundred thousand dollars signing bonus on top of that. That, that, that was my first contract was five hundred thousand dollars, and you know, to a you know half a million dollars to a twenty five year old, you're like hell yeah, you yeah. know. I was so now they're like now they're talking a million dollars. They're gonna give me another half million dollars plus a half million signing bonus. That's a million dollars. Wait a minute, to to stay with them. And I was like, nah, I think I'm a pass. And, and I walked away and never looked back. Move your body, don't stop. 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 Stop. Move your body, don't 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 stop. Stop. 
Everybody thought I was crazy. And I'm like, listen, if, if, if this is what I'm truly meant to do, nothing's going to stop me from doing this. And look look what happened. I made it on my own. You know what I mean? I did everything I was supposed to do. And I've always been the anti kind of hero as far as music. Like, you know, um, I'm not on Spotify because Spotify rips us off. I don't believe in supporting Spotify. They said to me, well, you're never going to win a Grammy without Spotify. Who's laughing now? <laughs> I don't need Spotify. You know what I mean? So, you know, like I said, I, I, I believe in doing things my own way. And if it's, you know, and if you're diligent and you and you, you stay focused, you can do anything you want to do. No, don't let anybody tell you you can't. I don't believe in that. When people tell me I can't, it makes me work even harder to prove them wrong. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Okay. Well, Macy, I have a question for you. Um, being that you know you're a musician, I, I got to know who are your influences. Oh my God! So um, originally, uh, I get a lot of slack for this. Originally, my mom, my mom was a DJ back in the day. Um, so she, uh, I was, I was just surrounded by music all the time. Mm. As far as saxophone heroes, the very first saxophone I've ever heard was Kenny G. So I was like, oh, okay, I like this Kenny G thing. And I, and when I was with Sony, I was the black Kenny G. I played soprano, it was the whole in caboodle. And, you know, I had a good sound and, you know, I have a funny Kenny G story, I'm gonna tell you guys too. Um, that was it. Then I ended up joining this funk band called Milo Z, uh, New York staple, <laughs> New York institution, these guys. And um, the keyboard player slash manager was like, hey, man, you know, the Kenny G stuff that you're playing over this is cool because I used to do this, you know, like how he circular breathes. So I circular breathe. I would <laughs> lose their mind, but the fan is like, come on, man, that's, 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 that's just stupid. <laughs> so, so, the, so Scotty, his name was Scott Rush, Scotty was like, hey, man, you ever heard of Maceo Parker? You should listen to like Maceo Parker. I'm like, who? He was like, what? Blasphemy. How you don't know who Maceo, you know, like James Brown, Maceo Parker? I'm like, I, I had no clue who Maceo was. <laughs> so I, I go home and, and, and I, I go to that. Then there was a, um, a, a Virgin. There was Virgin Records still in Times Square. I went, I brought every uh, James Brown and Maceo CD I could find. Stack of CDs. I leave there. I spent like three hundred dollars. I stack of CDs. I go home, and I start listening to this stuff, and my mind was blown. I said, "Oh my God, okay, I, I need to." So I started studying Maceo. Started studying him, and um, I used to play with a band called The Days of Wild, which was the Prince tribute band, uh, because my other hero was Prince. I, you know, Prince. I grew up dressing and idolizing Prince, and I know every scene and every line in Purple Rain. Like, you know, I was that guy. I, I had the outfits. 
with I had the pants with the buttons in the front. <laughs> I was a huge Prince fan, so you know that I'll, I'll come back around. I'll circle back around with the Prince thing, but um, I think West might have a picture of himself looking like Prince at some point that I've heard about. I need to get my hands on this picture, though. I just don't know who has it. I don't know what you're talking about, Matt. <laughs> so, so um, you know, I end up with, um, I was just blown away, so I started studying this stuff. So when I was with this band called The Days of Wild, they would always have a celebrity uh, guest. So this one night, it was George Bryan. Now, George Bragg, back in the, I think it was the 60s, he had Jimi Hendrix, was his guitar player. So so it was a big deal, this guy. And um, so we were playing, and I took a solo one night, and he looked over to me, and he says, hey, man, you got a Little Maceo thing about you. I'm going to start calling you Little Maceo. So I was like, oh, okay, cool. So and that's how Little Maceo was born. Everybody, it just picked up. Everybody started calling me Little Maceo. Then... I'm like, because I used to think, I used to legit think, yeah, man, I sound like Maceo. I, I, I think I sound, until I met Maceo. You ever seen, like, the people who drive that, like, Chrysler, the big Chrysler, they're like, oh, it looks like a Bentley, until a Bentley pulls up? So, that was what, what it was for me. Like, I was like, yeah, man, I sound like Maceo. Yeah, yeah. And so, I met Maceo. Um, if you go to YouTube... Um, I, and you Google Maceo and Little Maceo, you'll see um, we're playing Pass the Peas together, which nice. means, come on. You know, I, I, I told, I, I could die, and, and I've died and gone to heaven now. I've, I played Pass the Peas with my hero. And, you know, it was one of my favorite songs with the guy who, you know, so that was it for me. Um, but listening to that, I'm like, man, I don't sound anything like Maceo. I, I actually have my own thing. And, and I was cool with that. And so, you know, I told you, uh, I was telling you guys before we recorded, like, the whole, he doesn't remember anybody's name. <laughs> he, calls me, <laughs> he calls me the Cosby Kid, you know. And that's what he says. He goes, hey, Cosby Kid. That's what that's literally he calls me. And um, we were talking. Uh, we were at the Blue Note. We were at the Blue Note in New York. We were at the Green Room at the Blue Note. And we were talking. And he goes, you know, we're just, just laughing and talking about stuff. And um, I say, hey, man, so you know people call me Little Maceo, right? He goes, who calls you that? <laughs> so I said, <laughs> he was like, yeah, I don't know about that. <laughs> <laughs> I said, yeah, you know. Uh, you know, He was like, I, I, I'm not going to call you that. I said, I know, you, you know, you're not, you, I, I'm just the Cosby kid. He was like, yeah, you Cosby kid. And then he, you know, we we he goes, where's your horn at? And I go, it's it's over there. He's like, go get your horn. And I said, all right. And then he goes, he, he asks his manager to hand him his horn, and we start going to an impromptu jam, like in the green room, and we're playing. And, and, and he goes, little Macy, uh huh? Ah, I guess that's all right. <laughs> <laughs> that's when you knew you won him over. That was it. That's all you needed to hear. So that was it, man. That's 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 how that happened. That's so. good stuff. <laughs> yeah, man. Like getting the blessing. Like, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, that yeah, that was your official. It's like, all right, that's it. <laughs> Heck yeah. So, um, yeah, man. Uh, I, I guess I should tell you since I touched on the days a while. So that's how I actually met Prince. 
So Prince came, used to come to New York and he would sneak in and watch two bands in particular. He would watch The Days of Wild, um, which, you know, Days of Wild is a Prince song. And then he would watch this other band. It's an incredible band that I'm still a part of, um, Lenard's Many Moots. So he would literally sneak in and hang out in the dark corner somewhere and watch it. And, and um, we, we were both, we both bands did like print stuff. And, and, and to show you like the respect that he had for Lenard and, and, and us, um, when he was doing the, uh, I think it was Musicology, and we went to the Master Square Garden, we have an arrangement of Kiss that we do. Lenard came up with this amazing arrangement and um, Prince did it that night and pointed at us, was like, I got you guys, and then shouted us out. Nice. And he played our arrangement of his song. It was amazing. That's awesome. But how I how we met, the first time I met Prince, he came to see the Days of Wild. We were at the Bitter End. He came to see us, and he, he liked, it, liked us. He was like, hey, man, you guys want to come to Minneapolis? We're like, yeah. So he <laughs> threw us out to his house, Paisley Park, to do a private party for his fans. And so we were playing Prince music in Prince's house for Prince's fans, and Prince was our uh, audio engineer. He, he mixed, he engineered it for us, and he, he paid us to do it. <laughs> it was amazing. Wow. It's crazy. And that, that was the first time I met Prince. And, um, you know, through the years, we just kind of, we were just like, we would just see each other, and we were like casual friends, and, you know, I, and we would talk, and he, you know, let me pick his brain. And he would come and jump on stage and everything was like, it was great. You know what I mean? And I'm like, man, I'm hanging out with Prince. Who can, who can say that? I can hang out with Prince. So two weeks before he passed away, we were at The Groove on 3rd and McDougal in New York. And um, he came in, it's just like he always do, tries to sneak in. But this particular time, and I don't know if you remember, but a week prior, he had he was flying and had like an emergency mm -hmm. landing because yeah. so yep. he came to New York a week later and he had all his bodyguards with him, which he never does. So it's so hilarious. So I don't know if you guys have ever been to the Groove, but it, the, the Groove is kind of like a railroad kind of club. It's like long. So when you come through the door, it's a long walk up to the stage. So you can see, like I said it to say, I we see everybody. So all you see, even with the lights off, like you see like five gorillas and then the second crew turn afro, you know, <laughs> and he's in the middle of these guys and they're walking up to his little corner. So I lean over and I, and, 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 and I said to Michelangelo, who's the lead singer, I was like, hey, his purple majesty's in the house. And he goes, well, oh, okay. So we have instantly turned it on. We started doing the print stuff. Everything was cool. Uh, we're standing outside uh, on our break, and then Prince had somehow snuck out. I don't know, but as we're standing out in the front of the club, a SUV, black SUV pulls up. Out comes Prince. <laughs> he walks over, you know, and he's like, and Prince, I don't know if you guys know Prince or anybody, they, they, anybody who knows him will know, confirm this. He doesn't understand boundaries, so he talks to you like this. <laughs> 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 so, yeah, he goes, I think, you know, you played the hell out of that thing tonight. You have a card. And I go, yeah, yeah, man, take two. <laughs> he 
he was like, all right, we're going to eat it. And I, I finally got the call to play with go on tour. And I was like, he was like, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll send you all the stuff and give you the tour schedule and everything. I, wow. I was, I'm like, oh, my God. That's incredible. Finally, I'm not just casually hanging out with this guy. I'm, I'm about to be official. And then I, I, I'll never forget it. I was coming home from the gig, and I got I got a call um, from uh, uh, Shelby. Shelby called Michelangelo, and Michelangelo called me, and that's how I found out he had passed. And I, I had to pull over. I was so devastated. I had to pull over. I was, as a matter of fact, I was coming from um, I was coming from uh, uh, um, uh, uh, Atlantic City. I was at the. Uh, uh, Harris. I was coming from Harris, and uh, I, I like I had to pull over, and I just cried on the side of the road for like an hour. I was, uh, in fact, I think I, my Facebook Live is still up there somewhere, and I was like, I was literally devastated. I couldn't. I just, I, I thought it was. A, I was like, you know, I, I always, you know, if it's on TMZ, it actually happened. You know what I mean? I'm one of those guys, so I, I immediately go to TMZ, and show enough that the, the headline was, you know, Prince passed away and I was like, what? And you know, I, I to this day it just hurts. I feel like there's a void like missing. And you know, people like, you know, I get a lot of crap for this, but I'm gonna say it anyway, I don't care. I got a live mic, right? So, you know, Kanye walks around talking about oh my musical genius. No. Prince was in the <laughs> You're not even in a conversation with him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey Maceo, so um my biggest thing back in the day when I used to uh, DJ a lot was just uh, listening to the unique sound of Prince. And um, then once I realized the talents with uh, what he did with playing all the, I guess was 20 something instruments and heard he played the tracks back over on some of his initial albums. And I, from what I understand, and I'm sure you know more about it than I do. A lot of that was even when he was, very young like uh yeah. you know late teens early 20s which to me was phenomenal like i i've never been a musician like i said i, I play records not <laughs> not an instrument so i always found the talent of somebody to play one instrument well let alone yeah. 20 plus uh just blew me away especially at a young age so uh you know any any you know some comments on that you know obviously from your knowledge of of being yeah, around I mean, like the his People think it's his first album. It's actually a second album, but his name is Prince. That album, he right. played every instrument. You know what I mean? He literally, there, there was no band. It was him. <laughs> he played. That, that's every, just amazing. He did all the vocal parts. He, it was like a one man out. He literally was like a one man show. He did the whole thing himself, uh, and made, you know, that that album was all right. You know, it, it, it wasn't like you know didn't do like what Purple Rain and stuff did, but it was still. Sure. You know, he made, made good money on that album. So, uh, yeah, so, so I, hope I, I hope I answered that. <laughs> oh, yeah, all, all good. Uh, no, I, like I said, I just, to me, as a, uh, a you know, as a fan, uh, just to see that talent at a whole new level compared to, you know, the one-hit wonders of the 80s and, you know, the people <laughs> who just had that. You know, had a unique, like, you know, and we talked about this before, you know, the people that had just one sound and Prince reinvented himself, you know, yeah. every album was like, wow, that doesn't sound anything right. like the other album or 
right. well, he brought something different into the mix here. And, and you right. know, just the creativity itself, uh, you know, coupled with the, the talent level, to me, all that put together was something special, you know, and that's why I always enjoyed his music. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that's one of the things that I feel like separates Prince from everybody. Like I said earlier, you know, Prince may be Prince, but he's like the king because unlike a lot of the other artists who was around that time, and even the artists he was influenced by, he right. constantly evolved and changed, you know, to, to, to stay relevant. Like, look at, like, and I'm not picking on anybody by any means, but like I said, I'm huge fans, and we've all studied. But, you know, we can take Michael, Michael right. Jackson, you know, bad from, you know, from even, like, after Off the Wall, you know, right. Off the Wall has a very unique Quincy Jones sound because Quincy Jones. For sure. For sure. Thriller changed the game because it, it was just an eclectic group of music. But after Thriller, think about it, like bad history, yeah. they yeah. all started sounding the same. It was literally just, okay, this is Michael Jackson's thing, and it is what it is. And I hate to use the word commercial. <laughs> like, no, I, I hate to use that because I think – what it was. And, as a, and I'm, a, I'm a fan. I listen to uh, it. You and me both. No, you and me both. Yeah, you know, and then, but you, you take, like, Rick James. You know, yeah. it, Prince was huge influence for Rick James. You know, the look and the, the music. Rick James, if you listen to Rick James stuff, it's all very, you know, linear. What is the five fingers? Say to the face! <laughs> what? Slap! It's just the same. Yeah. It's all funk. There's no mistaking what it is. When you hear it, you go, okay, oh, I know yeah. what that is. Mm -hmm. James Brown. I'm yeah. a huge James Brown fan, you know? Maceo, come on. I'm a, I'm a huge James Brown fan. And you listen to his stuff through the years, even to his stuff into the 80s. People don't yeah. even realize, like, James Brown had, like, three albums out in the 80s and one in the 90s. <laughs> you know what I mean? And it all sounds the same. Even all he did was put, like, the 90s, whatever the technology spin right. was at the time. Popped he, it into, it, into the background. It, yeah. so, you know, everybody grooving on the one. All right, go to the yeah. four. <laughs> you know, it was, just, it was very James Brown. It, it was his sound. And that's just what it was. You know what I mean? Prince, you know, if you listen, like I said, you listen to Prince, if you listen to the revolution, that had a sound. It was, that was it. You know, if you listen to MPG, that was Different his sound. sound. You know, you listen to that stuff, that was his sound. If you listen to Third Eye Girl, that's a sound. <laughs> Third Eye Girl didn't sound like, like they didn't, like if you listen to the way I always go to this tune, Let's Go Crazy. If you listen to the Revolution play Let's Go Crazy, you're like, oh, okay, that's cool. That's the one we fell in love with. If you listen to NPG play it, you're like, oh, my God, it's Funk Overload. <laughs> so funky. <Yeah. laughs> if you listen to Third Eye Girl play it, you're like, oh, he turned it into a ballad. It's slow and groovy. Okay. If that's your thing, okay. It's not really my thing, but Okay. So, but each, here it is, the same song through, you know, three decades, <laughs> you know what I mean? Oh, you know, yeah. 80s, 90s, oh, and, sure. and it, they all sound different, but it's the same song. That's always been my problem with, with bands that cover other bands. I'm like, why are you covering the band if you're going to sound like the band? Like, why don't you try to, you know, put your own spin on it, man? Like, right. it, you know, right, like right, this right. band Dinosaur Jr., they covered um, uh, yeah. The Cure. 
and it sounds yeah. awesome. Like it's totally, it's to, like totally their version of a Cure song, and it, it sounds right. like fantastic. You know, that but, was like uh, what's their names? They did um, Smooth Criminal, um, uh, Papa yes. Roach. Yeah, they, uh, no, yeah. it wasn't Roach. It was uh, what was their name? Uh, Alien Ant Farm. Oh yeah, yeah. Alien Ant there you go. Yeah. They it. There you go. <laughs> and they made it themselves. Like yo, they killed it. I was like, oh, this is awesome. It, it reminded me of the Michael Jackson thing, but they they made it their own. I'm like, yeah. if you're going to cover a song, make it your own. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, That's I, like um like the Cure when they remade Purple Haze. Oh, yeah, they did Purple Rain. Not a fan. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not a fan of it. I'm not a fan, man. Like some songs, you just gotta leave alone. That was one of them. You just yeah. Gotta leave alone. You know what There's mean? certain things you don't mess with. Yeah. Did you like Did you like their version of it? A, a Purple Rain? No. I like their, their I like their their version of Jimi Hendrix Purple Haze though. Purple Haze was dope. I like the Cure. Don't get me wrong. I, I'm not a fan of their Purple Rain. I'm not a fan of it. No. Uh, and it's not it's not hate or I just don't like what they. I don't know what they try to do with it. You know. I, you know. Again, some songs you just can't. You just if, if even if you remake it, you just gotta remake it the way it is. You know what I mean? You can't change it. It's just. It, it messes with the song, the integrity of the song. You know what I mean? And Purple Rain is one of those songs that you can't put your own spin on it. You can't. You just gotta play it like the record. Play it the way. Right. You, know, you know what I mean? Well, I remember after Prince did the Super Bowl halftime show, me and Matt had a conversation <laughs> the next day, and and he was like blown away that he did the Foo Fighters. Yeah, and, yeah. and it, it he made it his own. Yeah, he did. But you could still tell what the song was. Right, but you know what? And speaking of that, only only Prince gets rain. <laughs> rain in the rain, and they have the purple lights, so it looked like purple rain. I'm like, this happened to man. It was amazing. He's the only one that could pull it off. The only no, one that was the best. That that was probably the best, or at least not. It's in the top three Super Bowl performances Super Bowl. that I've seen in my lifetime. Like easily in the top three, maybe top number one. Hundred percent. I mean, my favorite Super Bowls was obviously Prince. Michael Jackson was cool. I, I love that he came out and stood there for like 10 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody's like losing their mind. People are fainting. He's like, <laughs> for like 10 minutes. Then he went, <laughs> and everybody's like, ah! Like, no, Michael was king, man. He like, that's power right there. You don't get that. You know, then he. Then he took his shades off. Like, they took him another ten, another ten minutes taking his glasses off. I remember that. <laughs> it, was, <laughs> it was incredible, man. I'm like, you know what? And then Bruno Mars, like Bruno Mars, destroyed the Super Bowl. I'm like, destroyed the Super Bowl. All right, guys, welcome back. Uh, sorry for that brief interruption, but we actually had some technical issues. We had to start uh, recording a different day, so. Uh, Lomacio, Wes, Frank, thank you guys for coming back. Thanks for having me back. I'm awesome. You guys, of course, I'm excited to be here. Yeah, we certainly appreciate you taking more time out to to wrap things up. We left off talking about Prince. Uh, Frank, you had a question about Prince's uh, musical talents. Yeah, I guess one of the most impressive things to me was uh, when I found out how many different instruments he played, uh, and and pretty much at a young age as well. So I forget the number was somewhere in the twenty something range. Uh, Maybe yeah. I'm sure you probably have a better grasp on it than I do. I just remember reading about it. 
Yeah, on on both um, of Prince's like his name is Prince album, he literally played everything on on that album. He played all the instruments, and even when Prince is in the room with you, you know what? I've never worked for anybody who can you know he he can tell you exactly what he wants you to do, and then even worse is he he can then go you know what? Just give me that and play whatever instrument it is that you play. You know, he plays it like it's his main instrument. And I'm like... I want this. I got it. I got it. I'll take care of it. Just, <laughs> just, get, just hand it over. We'll get this done. Don't worry about exactly, it. Man. That's like, pretty wow. cool. Yeah, it's impressive, man. It's impressive. Yeah, I mean that to me was always. Uh, I mean, listen, I love this. I love his music. I, you know, uh, I love his uh, different styles that he came uh, out with over the years. But that to me was always the most impressive thing. Um, you know, I heard, I heard, I, like I said, I'd read that he'd gone back over and did every track on a couple of different. Yeah, records, so that's cool. yeah not only that, like he arranges, he does all the vocal parts. You know, it's, it's, it's incredible. Like my dude is a musical genius. You know what I mean? Like it's never going to be another guy like Prince. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. One question I have was, um, over the time that you knew him, how, you know, did you see him like change it all over time? Like, how did he change, you know, musically, but also like, you you know, you knew him, you know, somewhat personally, you you met him a few different times. So yeah. What kind of changes did you see in him? Oh, I watched him, you know, I, I, we met during the NPG era. That was the very first time we met. And then um, I watched him go from, like, uh, I don't want to say self-destructive, but, you know, he was really just loose <laughs> and wild, you know, as the song says, wild and loose. But, um, you know, somewhere along the line, he found God. And change it, it literally changed his whole world, you know. He, you know, because Prince is one of those guys who just said and did pretty much whatever he wanted, <laughs> you know what I mean. And you know, the profanity went away, the sexuality went away, the 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 objective to women went away. Like he literally became like a whole. It was like a one eighty from the prince that we all grew up, you know, walking around with the assless chaps. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, that guy literally just went away. And, and, you know, he started dressing real casual, and he had, like, the flowing, um, you know, sheets. Like, it looked like, you know, like, sheets and stuff. And it, it was really, like, it was like night and day. You know, and then he, you know, he grew his hair out, got rid of the, the chemicals, and walked around with the fro, and it was natural, and you know, it was, it, like I said, it was a total change. So I, I, I got to watch him transition, which was awesome. You know, he stopped using drugs. He got clean, you know, which is why even the circumstances around his death was so shocking because, you know, the prince I knew, like I said, literally that dude wouldn't take aspirin. Like he was clean, clean. Like he wasn't taking anything. But he did have the, uh, the surgery. He came off the surgery and against doctor's orders, he was, you know, supposed to take some time off. He took, I guess, just enough time for him to start walking without the cane. Uh, because if you remember, there was a period when he was doing the award shows and stuff. He was walking around with a cane. Uh, when he got off the cane, then he immediately started touring again. And, you know, I feel like it was it was too much. You know what I mean? Too much too soon. 
And I, I feel like that was just Prince because he was always trying to figure out a way to stay on top and, and to make sure that he, because he loved his fans, you know, he just wanted to always make sure that there wasn't a, a void or a hole for his fans. He did it so that he could be back on the things that he loved, you know, in front of the, in front of the greatest fans in the world. So, you know, it's a shame that it went out. He went out that way because, you know, he had a bad cocktail because he was sick and then the surgery. And it, it was literally just a perfect storm of just nonsense that why we don't have this, well, my brother here anymore. You know what I mean? It was, it's heartbreaking when you think about it. I will never forget that day. <laughs> you know, it's tough, man. It's, it's tough because. I told you it was right before my birthday is on April 24th. So it was mm-hmm. literally right before my birthday that, that you know, he, he passed away. It was, it was, uh, like I said, heartbreaking, <laughs> heartbreaking, man. Unbelievable. I miss him every day, you know, but, uh, like I said, I, 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 I feel lucky because I was able to experience and talk with Prince and I, I can call him, you know, a friend, um, a lot of people didn't have that opportunity, you know what I mean? So um, I'm blessed, you know, I'm, I'm a better person as a result of having known Prince, you know? Right. Well, I have a question for you. Um, sure. Were you featured uh, or did you play any instruments on any of his albums? No, um, I wish. I w- okay. It probably would have happened because, like I said, um, I was scheduled to go out on tour this go round. Okay. Two weeks later, he passed away. So I probably would have finally made it on one of the albums. There is a bootleg of, he did a show in New York. We all went and saw it. He pulled us all up on stage and I'm playing. Um, I'm sure he records everything. That's, that's another thing. Like, um, like me, that's, that's where I get it from. I record everything. I don't care what it is. I record it good, bad, or ugly. I have it. And so did Prince. So there's definitely recordings of me on there somewhere, floating around. You know what I mean? Okay. It's definitely in there somewhere. Out there somewhere, I mean. That's cool. awesome. Did you ever do any of his, like, smaller shows, like when he's in town? Oh, yeah. Yeah, we've... Because he always have the after parties. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, I would, you know, I did one after party. Um we were at uh, uh, um, oh god, what's the name? What was the name of that spot? It was um, right behind Thirty Fourth. Uh, I think it was Club Black. Because we know he was notorious for doing those quick hit and run on the yeah. spot shows. Hey, I'm in town. Let's do a car. Let's do a show at this club. Yeah, literally, yeah. <laughs> it's true. So true. Oh, that's right. It was like you had a day's notice. If that. If that. <laughs> oh, yeah. Club Black New York. Yep. Hmm. Club Black New York. That was it. <laughs> I thought it was Club Black, but yeah. And you mentioned it earlier. Um, you know, we talked about the, the instruments, that, of course, that he plays, and you kind of mentioned about him recording everything. So a large amount of his music uh, has still yet to be released. Do, do you know there's a, there's like a few follow up questions I have here. So do you know why Prince never put out that music? Like do you, do you know why he didn't want to release it? Um, yeah, any well, of it? Yeah. Well, we have a funny. I have a, I have a funny story about that. So the the 
second time I was ever at Paisley Park. Um, the first time I didn't really get to do the tour. You know what I mean? We kind of just was, and you know, he has a club in his in his estate, and we the first time we went, like I said, we were guests and we performed. Uh, Prince, we were basically a Prince tribute band, you know, in, in Prince's house, but we basically stayed confined to the club. The second time I went to Paisley Park. Um, I got to do the tour and everything, and we, you know, walked around, and uh, I got to see the infamous vault. <laughs> nice. And um, so, of course, I asked a hundred questions, like, <laughs> and I was like, "So, how much music is in there?" He was like, "It's just, it's more." He was like, "I've forgotten more music than I can tell you." You know, that's just like <laughs> thousands and thousands of, of music in there. And, you know, he he says, you know, I would, I would take you in there, but I never go in there anymore. And I go, oh, okay. And he goes, yeah. So I go, well, why don't you go in there? Is it just hard because, you know, you think about all the music, blah, 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 blah. And he goes, no, you know, I, I can't remember the passcode to get in. <laughs> <laughs> so that's, that's, I was like, okay, that's fun. He legit never goes in there. But... Um, he says that he feels like the stuff that he has so many ideas and for the musicians out there, like I, I'm, I, me personally, I hear music 24 seven, you know, even, you know, like no matter what I'm doing, I'm, I'm, my brain is constantly hearing music. And, um, sometimes you need, you know, th thankfully now we have like, you know, the iPhones that they do just sing an idea into your phone and go home and flesh it out but back in the day you didn't have that you would have to try to write everything down or walk around with one of those tape you know little the little um, uh interview uh <laughs> and try to, yeah the little the little recorders yep. yeah and um so he was just like you know he, he'll have an idea and sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't and you know like most people it sounds great Initially, and then he'll walk away and come back and go, yeah, that's not really hitting. I need to flush it out more. So that's why he doesn't make it. That's literally, you know, he doesn't feel like it's finished or, or it needs more work, you know? Gotcha. That makes sense. So I know he didn't know the passcode. So I'm guessing you didn't listen to any of it because that was my next question just because if he didn't know the passcode, there's no way you got in there to listen to any of it. Yeah. So I do have, I do have a huge two terabyte um, hard drive full of print stuff. You know, some unreleased, um, like rehearsals. I have demos and all this other stuff. So, um, so I did listen to some of the stuff, and I'm like, some of it, you're like, oh man, this is killing. You should really, um, you should have really released this. I don't know why you didn't. Then there's some stuff you go, oh yeah, I can see why you didn't release that <laughs> because it sounds like an idea. You know what I mean? It just sounds incomplete. You know, so. Um, even the very last album that um, Shelby and, and and Mo released, Morris Hayes, um, it was stuff that I believe was partial ideas, and they just flushed it out and finished it. You know You're talking I mean? about Welcome to America? Yes. So when you listen to it, it's kind of like, some of it, you can tell some of it's like older prints, some of it's newer, but you can tell that it wasn't finished. At least I can tell 
this stuff was was not meant to be heard yet. You know what I mean? It wasn't finished. Just like the Michael Jackson stuff. Like if you listen to Michael Jackson's last album, you can tell 100% that stuff was not meant for us to hear. <laughs> you know, Michael Jackson was just like, it was a kind of a saying. He was like, you know, this stuff was not meant to be heard. But the powers that be decided, no, we're going to make some money on this. And, and, and here we are. And it's the same it's thing. The, money. the record label now mm-hmm. on the state. Prince's family doesn't own it. You know, the, the, the uh, record label does. And this is what they're going to do. They're going to probably just put out an album every year or every two years or whatever and just make a bajillion dollars, you know, because we as Prince fans are going to buy it anyway. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Good, bad, or ugly, we're going to buy it. You know what I mean? And it's just so, it's, it's sad to watch, you know. What about you personally? Like, do you have a backlog of music? And would you... You know, I know you're probably not going to release it now because under the same circumstances, right? You you want to curate it. You want to make it sound a certain way. Would you like allow whoever has control of your estate when you pass away to be able to do that, or would you kind of like lock it in somehow? That's where a they would be? I've never thought about it, but I do. I definitely have a backlog of music. Like I have a new album that's dropping soon. It's called Evolution, and the initial track count for Evolution was eighty. Had 80 songs. That's <laughs> that's crazy. 8 and 0? 80? Yeah, 8 0. It's on 15 CDs. That's it. That's it, only 80. That's it. It's all you got. 10 or 12. <laughs> you know what I mean? I ended up with 14, but, you know, from 80 to 14, is it was it's tough because, you know, um, for me personally, I. What I like to, you know, try to have an experience. Like I want to give my fans the same experience that you experience when you come and see me live. So I want when you listen to my CD, I want you to feel the same emotions. I want it. I want it to be able to tell a story. I want it to be able to evoke emotions. You know, so there's a flow. There's a there's a it's a story. It's a there's a there's a rhyme to my reason. Like a lot of times you listen to, especially the newer stuff, the songs are kind of scattered about and it doesn't make sense. You know, all they're capitalizing on is the one single that's the hit. And then the rest of the album, you're like, I don't know what's happening here. <laughs> you know, so <laughs> with my albums, um, they always have a flow. So it's I designed it for you to listen to it from beginning to end. Yeah, and you never get bored. You never you never get, you know, like, oh, that was random. You know, it's you like know, a lost art in mainstream music today. <laughs> yeah. And so, um, and, and, you know, and, and editing. Um, as a video editor, uh, we have a term that's called uh, breaking the line of sight. That's how you know if an edit is clean or not. You don't ever want to have your, your eyes shift. So it's the same thing when you're doing music. I don't ever want your brain to go, what, what, wait, what was that? <laughs> you know what I mean? Going from <laughs> to so I, I really take a lot of time and pride in selecting my track orders and stuff like that. You know, that That's funny. We, uh, we recently did... Uh... Uh, Matt and I and one of the other uh, nerd enthusiast guys did a uh, review of Led Zeppelin one. And I, as much music as I love, I didn't think about it as much, but we started talking about the sequence of the tracks and the flow of the, uh, and yeah, it was like, it, it's kind of cool. And I guess, you know, being somebody like yourself who's put albums together or whatever you want to call them today, CDs or what have you. I still call them albums. I'm old yeah. Too. Right. I, I, I'll, always, I'll always call them albums. I'm sure. Right. But I'm saying, just, I guess I never, as much music as I listen to and love, I never really thought about that concept until we jumped into it, uh, doing a review of, of the album. And uh, it's it was, it was kind of cool. It was kind of a, 
a concept where I go, oh, wow, all right, I never really thought of that. As much yeah, as I thought about things, I never thought about that. So, how important it is. Yeah, no, uh, listen, as I, you know, listen, obviously uh, you put a ton of work into your craft and that's awesome. And I think, you know, people get to appreciate that. Um, but, you know, every little nuance is, is important and that's great. You know, that's great. That makes it all the more worthwhile to listen to. Yeah, definitely. That's a great album, by the way. It's a great album. <laughs> the, the one other question that, that popped up in my head um, and I just kind of randomly thought about it was I remember when um, Around the World in a Day came out and I was kind of, I don't know, I guess maybe a lot of people were kind of scratching their heads a little bit on that one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, I mean, was yeah. I the only one or, you no, know? No, definitely. You know? And listen, again, I like when things kind of make some turns and do some different things, but I was kind of going, I'm not sure about this one here. And I was trying to, like being a fan, I was trying to like it some. And, um, you know, eventually some some of the tracks grew on me a little bit, but um, did you have that same kind of feel or? Yeah, when I first go around the world of the day, it was very different, you know, and you can honestly go through his career and mark the albums that he kind of changed gears. Um, it was so different from like the earlier stuff. And even the stuff that came after it was very, very different. It was kind of like, okay, let me try this. And this is right, what I'm right. right now. And y'all are going to take it. That's it. This is, this is what I want to do. And this is just take it. <laughs> and, you know, there was some there was some good songs on there. You know what I mean? But um, yeah, I guess I guess it was kind of an adjustment. And like I said, I, I I'm the kind of guy who you know I have no problem stepping outside the box and trying things. And it took right. me a while with that one, I guess. Uh, <laughs> it, it took everybody because you figure coming off of like 1999 and Purple right. Rain, and right. then we get something totally different. So as a fan, <laughs> for me, I felt it was like I'm like okay, he's this is his Sergeant Pepper. Right, yeah, because when Sergeant Pepper came out with the Beatles, that was different. Yeah, it was. That's a good, that's a good analogy. I never thought of it that way. That's a real good uh, analogy. Mm -hmm. I mean, but think about it. But think about the hits that came off that album, though. Like you have Raspberry Beret, Raspberry Beret, Pop Life, Mm -hmm. um, yeah, uh, America. You know what I mean? Like he had some. There was some joint on there, man. It was definitely even around in the world of the day. As weird as it is, it was. It was. It grew on me. You know what I mean? No, same with same with me. Like I said, I think it took a little bit of time. And you know, as much as I played that Purple Rain album, you know, a million times on my turntables. Right. You know, this one I was playing like because I liked it. This one I was playing it more to try to try to like. I don't know. Maybe that's the wrong thing. You You know what I'm saying. I was, right. I was I was trying to appreciate it more, and um, you know, being a fan of his, um, the album itself. And it was really that was kind of like the end of the revolution era, too. So it was like, Correct. yep, you know, it was coming to a close. It, it he he took it as far as he could take it. You know, it was time to evolve and change, and you know, so it was what it was. But like, well, I said, listen, he didn't he didn't play it. He didn't take it. You know, easy. You know, right, right, right. Now, because you figure right after that, he changed again. Yeah. With, with under the under the cherry under moon. The cherry moon. <laughs> which is a, a total with different sound. Total different sound. Yeah. A total different sound. You know what I mean? Uh, he came. He came out swinging with that one. You know what I mean? So, you know. So yeah, it was definitely. Uh, 
departure. Like I said, it was the end of the uh, Revolution era. You know, the, the ruffle shirts and <laughs> game blouses, stuff like that, and then it became you know kind of. I think his take on the New Jack swing era. You know what I mean? It was his his take on that. So it was it was like I said, it was cool. You know, the nineties was was different and it was racy and it was you're like, Yeah, this is what I'm talking about, you know what I mean? So it was All right, so wrapping things up here, we just got a couple quick questions for you at the end, Maceo. All right. What was the best concert, gig, or show that you have ever attended? Not been a part of. Ever attended. Um uh first thing that comes to mind is musicology at Madison Square Garden. Just okay. <laughs> blowing. It was such an amazing concert. Um then the other one would be Dave Matthews in Central Park. Really? That was that was it opened my mind it, like again, blew my mind, like how great that band is because you know i wasn't a huge dave matthews fan in the beginning until i saw them live and i was like oh my god <laughs> you know it was it was incredible yeah so, they're very yeah. talented for sure but now let's flip it so yeah. now what was the best concert if you could pick one or your favorite one that you were a part of or gig or show or whatever um okay uh favorite show Um, there's a, there's, there's, there's a couple there, there's definitely a couple, um, uh, one, oh, hands down. I, I got this one done. Uh, <laughs> my, old, my favorite was, uh, Maceo Parker, Blue Note, New York city on my birthday. Nice. Okay. That's awesome. Yeah. That, 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 that was by far it. And I've had some pretty awesome gigs, but that gig was just, all the stars aligned again. It was right. You know, I, I wouldn't, I, it was amazing. You know what I mean? So that's the one that I'm taking the grave with me. And like, I'm, I'm, that was like the pinnacle for me, you know? Of course. And then finally, uh, you mentioned it earlier. So you, you got a new album coming out. As, yeah. It's Evolution, correct? Yes. Can you tell us a little bit about it? Do you, do you have a release date planned yet or what's going on with that? Yeah. So, um, it was honestly it was supposed to be released on the fifteenth of this month, but the um, there was a the plant the you know the the processing plant with the supply chain drama everything's all kind of screwed up, and I could release it digitally and then get the physical CDs later, but I, I I'm old school I kind of want to have everything at the same time on the same day ready to kind of yeah. go. So I've delayed, I've delayed it until they can figure out the supply chain madness. Um, right now, today is the 21st. They claim it'll be done by the 25th. So if it is done and it's in my hand on the 25th, then I'll have it released on the 25th. Um, it's so crazy that I'm doing all this promo. I'm, I'm featured in um, Coffee Talk Jazz Magazine this month, uh, talking about the release of the album. And I've done, like I said, a bunch of um, morning shows uh, getting ready for the album. Um, it's called Evolution because I finally think I've, through my long career, I was always trying to figure out where I fit in this crazy spectrum of music. Um, I've always been like one of those musicians that 
um, kind of like Dave Matthews. Either you really, really love me or you can't stand me. You know, there is no middle ground. Um, and I think it's also because of the type of music I play. It's not really jazz. You know, it's not pop. It's not funk. It's, it's kind of a fusion of, of, of the three. And as such, I've always had a very difficult time um, finding venues to perform in because jazz clubs don't want to book me because it's not jazz. It's not You're, even close. You don't fit neatly in a box and some right. places yeah. want that. Yeah, absolutely. So, that makes and, sense. And the pop clubs and the popular clubs, the top 40 clubs, don't want to book me because it's not enough vocals for them, even though there is some vocals, but it's 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 a good split of instrumental and vocals. But because of that, they don't want to book me because they feel like people are not going to dig it. But I'm like, dude, I'm drawing, you know, four, two, four, six hundred people. Like, what do you care? (laughs) If I'm bringing these people to your venue, then let me do what I do. But that's just that I got to the point where I don't I'm not chasing anybody anymore. I'm going to play where I'm appreciated. Like I said, I figured out who I am as an artist, which is why the album's called Evolution. And um, I hope that the music that I selected to be a part of this album is a really good reflection of how much I've grown since its predecessor. His name is Kareem. So it's, it's you know, it's, I, I feel like there's been a lot of growth. So, you know, we'll see what happens with the fans. Cool. Excellent. So cut it down from 80 to like 60 or 70, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, 80 to 14, man. Yeah. Yeah. I, I still... That means you took the 14 best out of 80, so you're getting the cream of the crop. In my opinion, yeah. You know, it's so weird because um, one of the things, and, and, and uh, Frank will tell you as a, as a, as a, as a uh, DJ, you know, the songs that people think are hits sometimes aren't hits. The ones yeah. that you feel like are duds. Oh, it's weird. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. Oh, it's so crazy. You know, like I have a song called Tomorrow, which is on, it's on the radio and it's super popular and I don't even understand it. I didn't think, I mean, it was cool to me, but I'm like, you know, it's so, it's one of those songs that is so simple. Like it's literally like two chords <laughs> and it's nothing extravagant going on. It's almost like a Kenny G tune. It's like super simple and it's a, it's a catchy melody and it's like the most popular song we have right now. People go bananas over this song and I'm like I can't believe that tomorrow is making the, the rounds and doing the hey that's a good problem to have where you no, it, you never know I mean I'm sure that's happened with many artists over the years where they're like really that's the one you're running with okay as long as you like it I'm going to keep playing it that's cool no that listen we all stumble upon stuff right yeah. I and mean, that's awesome hitting germs they say I'm right I have songs that I'm like, yeah, this is a guaranteed. Yeah, thing. and people are like, yeah, yeah. And I am just yeah. bald. And I'm That's like, funny. I love this crap. And then everybody's like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, if you go to YouTube, I think my tomorrow video is in the 20,000 views or something like that. I'm like, what? <laughs> and it, it got the first 10,000 like in like two days. I was like, wow. I was like blown away. I was just like, that's good stuff. It was like, I was just blown away by it. I think you just got to hit that, like that primal nerve that's embedded in all human beings. And Mm -hmm. like, whatever nerve that is, once you hit it, it doesn't matter what it is. It's like, oh, everybody just like turns their head at the same time. What's that? (laughs) Sure, that's true. It's very, very true, man. That's funny. But hey, Maceo, it's been awesome talking with you, man. 
Um, if hey, if people want to follow you, where can they follow you at online or in person, or where, where do you want people to be able to? Yeah, um, my my Instagram, and, my Instagram and Facebook are both Little Maceo Funk, uh, L I L M A C E O F U N K, um, and I also have LittleMaceo.com, which you can't go wrong with. You can always figure out when I'm coming to your town or whatever. You know what I'm doing. So yeah, man, thank you guys so much. I had an amazing time. With you guys i hope we get to do it again you know yeah it was great about you your career prince all that good stuff Thank and you it's guys. nice it's nice right. to have a, a a solid good person on i mean uh you know that's you, us. i mean you know good people are good people and uh having somebody who's uh, appreciative of the industry that works hard that is not just about you know uh we can say it's other people. They're always just worried about me, 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 me. You know, you're talking about others appreciative and what you learn from other people. And that's, a, that's just to me, you know, a, a, a cool thing. You know, I, I, I think all the time, and I'm blessed. I, I, I'm so happy to be able to do something that brings people so much joy. I, I get to entertain and make people happy and I get paid for it. Like, yeah, I get, right. I, <laughs> I mean, like, I get to bring the party to people. I love it, man. You know, I'm just happy to be here. Like I said, I, I could have went uh, any number of ways. You know, I could have still been teaching. You know what I mean? But I, you know, I made the hard decision to do this and never had never looked back. So I'm happy. You know, I'm, I'm blessed. Well, well, I just followed you on Facebook now, so there you go. Awesome. <laughs> I will follow you back for sure, for sure. You oh, know, yeah. thank you guys again, man. Hey, thank thanks. you. Thank we you so appreciate much, man. Time, Frank, where can people follow you at? I am on uh, Twitter on at uh, FLD15 uh, for the most part uh, on Facebook as well. Awesome. Wes, what about you, sir? Uh, you can follow me on Instagram at Grendel5XBX. And for the gaming nerds out there, if you're ever in the Atlantic City area, you can find me at Level Up Entertainment, Hamilton Mall. Awesome. I'm Matt. You guys can follow me. I'm I'm gonna be at that way um, um, next week, so I'm gonna come. I'm gonna pop in and see you. <laughs> come on, go in there. He's gonna make you spend money. I live across <laughs> the country, and he's into my wild every other week. <laughs> That's all right, man. Like I said, I I, I spend money for the cause. It, listen, gaming is an expensive hobby, man. I gotta tell you. <laughs> no joke. No joke. Uh, I'm Matt. You guys can follow me at from NJ to CA. The two is the number two. Thank you guys for listening and watching the Enthusiast Music Podcast. And until next time, you guys take care. <laughs>